Welcome to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'm Larry Lannon. This is a chance for local people or people with a local connection to sit down and talk about what is going on with them in the Fishers community. This is a part of my local Fishers Indiana News blog that began in January of 2012. I started these podcasts in 2016 and have been going ever since. Now, here's the latest edition of the LarryInFishers.com podcast. I'd like to welcome Bob Siegel to my podcast. Bob Siegel is the senior investigative reporter for WTHR Television News. He's been a part of the 13 Investigates team since 2006. And Bob has not one, not two, not three, but four Peabody Awards. And anyone in journalism knows the, that is a very, very high honor. So, Bob, thank you for you know, carving some time out for me to talk today. My pleasure, Larry. Thanks for having me. I want to, as you well know, uh, there's a, one story you and I have been following for a long time, and really this has been a WTHR story. And it started more than five years ago. And I, I'm, I was trying to think back, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, this all started with the small line in the consent agenda, which is normally a routine thing at a school board meeting, which listed a, a suspension for an employee, but rather than have the name, it listed the number. Did I remember that correctly? Yeah, and it had never been done before that way. Um, we got a tip about that suspension and about that employee who was listed by number, and we thought that was worth looking into a little bit more. So we followed up with the school district to ask for more information, and uh, we got just a little little bit at a time. But it school district confirmed for us that it was a suspension for former teacher and uh, former football coach at Fishers High School, Rick Wimmer. Right, and, and Rick Wimmer, um, uh, going to be in the Hall of Fame, he's had two state championships, one at Fishers High School. And as you mentioned, uh, this has happened more than five years ago. Rick Wimmer retired as coach and later retired as a teacher, so he's no longer uh, even involved with the uh, HSC school system. But yet, um, here we go, because it really went from there to your request to uh, receive a factual basis, and that term factual basis actually comes out of state statute. You asked for a, a factual basis for the suspension. What kind of response did you get? Well, the response from the school district was essentially that um, he violated a rule. And, and I want to make very clear um, here, Larry, <laughs> that um, I, I've only um, met briefly in passing uh, Mr. Wimmer on, on one occasion. I certainly know of Rick Wimmer and his abilities as a football coach. And from almost all accounts that, that I've heard, uh, he's a very good football coach. Um, he, he was well-liked and respected within the school district. So from from day one, we never had an issue here with Rick Wimmer and his abilities as a teacher or football coach. We wanted to know why the school district uh, suspended him. And we had already reported on a classroom altercation that had happened between him and uh, a student that, that he had been investigated for, that Fisher's Police Department investigated. Um, there was no further action taken. 
Mr. Wimmer had a, a, a paid suspension um, back in the fall of 2016 for that. And so when we asked the school district for more information, I want to make it clear, the very first thing that we asked was, is the situation that he got a week-long unpaid suspension very quietly, hush-hush, in December, was that related to the same incident that we and other media in, in Indianapolis reported on several months earlier? So it was a very direct question, and the school district could have answered that with one word, yes or no. And instead, they chose to take the route of, we're not going to comment on that at all, all we're going to say is that he violated a, a rule and they listed the actual rule in the, the, the school district policy that he violated. But as we pointed out, that could have been one of dozens, potentially hundreds of different things that an individual could do wrong or might be disciplined for. So they really didn't give us a what we considered the factual basis which is that the term that is written into state statute and required by the state open records law to provide to us. And so I want to point out the irony in all this is that had the school district essentially answered our question with one word very early on, it would have avoided what turned into a five plus year battle to, to be honest with you, that I think was pretty unfair um, to the former football coach. And instead of one news story that we did on this resulted in dozens of news stories as we then followed this for years, what became a story of a school district hiding information that it is legally required to provide to the public under state statute. Right. I want to dovetail that because I followed your reporting very closely and I'll talk more about that later. But you know, I've met Rick Wimmer. Uh, he's been on one of my podcasts. My son-in-law played for his state championship team. He wasn't a starter, but he was part of the team. So this was never about Rick Wimmer, the coach, or Rick Wimmer, the teacher. It was really, as you said, uh, what uh, the school corporation was willing to reveal about that suspension. And you're right, it tended up to, it, it became a five-year story. Plus, it could have been a very quick story had uh, there been a different uh, uh, response and and when you didn't get the response you were looking for, you went not once but twice uh, to the public access counselor. He's Luke Britt, and I understand he's been reappointed to that job. He's been there a long time. Yes, and uh, I read both of those, and it seemed to me that uh, Luke Britt, although he you know he writes like a lawyer in a nuanced kind of way, if you read the entire uh, text of each of those their advisory opinions from his office seem to side with you. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I think it's what, what, what Luke tries to do. And, and I think Luke has done a great job in the role of public access counselor, kind of walking that fine line um, between advocating for public access and the right to public records, while also really understanding the complexities and the nuances of what government agencies have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis. And um, school districts, government agencies, they've got, a, they've got a lot more responsibilities than just providing public records. So there is a, a fine line between kind of balancing the right to, you know, for the public to know and also, you know, protecting a public employee's rights to privacy. Well, 
In this case, we felt that the law was very clear under the Indiana Access to Public Records Act that when an employee, a public employee paid for by taxpayer funds is either fired or demoted or reassigned or disciplined in some way, that the, the agency that hires that individual must offer a factual basis, facts, to explain why they took discipline against this employee. And, and we argued that the, the, the information they provided to us was insufficient. The school district and its attorneys tried to argue. They thought that they had provided enough. Luke Britt repeatedly, uh, actually on three separate occasions, sided with WTHR in saying that the school district needed to provide more information. And yet um, the school district dug at its heels, I believe, uh, based on um, the opinions of its private law firm, which again, taxpayers in Hamilton County are paying for. I think, um, I think the school district, I'll be honest, I think they got really bad advice from those uh, attorneys that they hire for $260 an hour. And um, the case dragged on for years based on that advice again. And I'll keep coming back to this. All the school district had to do from the very beginning, and we asked repeatedly throughout the entire process, was it related to the original incident? A one-word response, yes, would have been all that we needed, and this whole case would have ended. But instead, not only to go to the public access counselor, but of course, it went on to uh, a lengthy court battle uh, in addition to that. Yeah, I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I want to ask you about this because Luke Britt, as a public access counselor normally lets his writing speak for itself. Yeah. He went on camera, which is almost unheard of with you. And I've, if I remember the quote correctly, it was something to the effect that HSE schools, you don't get it, which was very unusual. I mean, I'm sure you were surprised that he made a comment that, that uh, direct. Yeah, I, I, I was actually, I remember sitting in his office um, during that interview and hearing his comments. I, I think there's just a frustration, not only on the part of the media. And again, I, I mean, we consider ourselves um, in, on our investigative team and our, our daily general assignment reporters, we're, we're an extension of the public. I mean, we live, I, I don't live in Hamilton County, but plenty of my colleagues do. We, we live and we work in these communities and we pay taxes in these communities and we think that we and you have a right to know what's going on in your community. So I think there's a real frustration on the part of the media, on the part of the state's public access counselor who tries to walk that fine line when agencies like Hamilton Southeastern Schools in this situation just don't understand and, and it's pretty clear what the, the law is requiring um, when they just don't understand and when they don't work in good faith to be transparent with information, I think that's where the frustration comes in. And I think that's why Luke Britt actually agreed to do the interview. And when we, you know, eventually I'm sure we'll talk about the Supreme Court case, but the Supreme Court justices, if you listen to their the, the oral arguments, the questions that they had, even the Supreme Court justices seemed completely exasperated by what the school district's attorney was trying to argue, that it just really doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, we're going to talk more about that, but I thought that that uh, poor attorney representing the HSC schools was tied into knots because of, of those questions. But let me go back to the beginning of that process, because I have no inside information on this, but it appeared to me 
that the school corporation and their attorneys were just waiting things out, thinking that WTHR would not want to go to the expense of taking this to court. But yet you were able to find, uh, uh, I think, a nonprofit group to help you out with that. Explain how that all came together. Yeah, and 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 our frustration is, and, and there have been other situations in the past where we wanted to battle for public records. And when we look at the information that we're going to get for the public versus the cost of, of you know, litigation, um, those are things that unfortunately any media organization has to weigh. And, and I do think because I would say at least nine times out of 10, if not maybe 99 times out of 100, I think public organizations, um, public entities like school districts and government uh, entities know that the media is probably not going to go to court to fight for a record. So to your question, Larry, we were so blessed that the Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press which has been around for 50 years. It's an incredible organization based in Washington, D.C. that helps the media fight for access to public records. Um, they agreed. Uh, we, we approached them and Adam Marshall and Katie Townsend um, with the Reporters Committee very quickly said, yes, we, we uh, absolutely agree with WTHR and we will represent you. So they joined our local council, uh, Mike Wilkins, in, in representing us. And that really made it um, financially possible for us to dig in and be able to, to fight back. Uh, and, and again, to fight really for the public's right to the information that uh, it's entitled to in state statute. Now, as you know, Bob, as a volunteer blogger and uh, and podcaster, I paid a lot of attention to your reporting. And I know, you know, there are several TV stations in town. wanted to make sure even everyone knew about what you were doing. So I linked to a number of your stories and, and wrote extensively about your investigation. Now, I will say this. No school officials criticized me publicly, as far as I know. But I was asked to come in for a meeting to talk with uh, a very high official with school corporation uh, wanting to know why I was doing this. And my answer was very simple. I simply said, Hey, I've lived here since 1991. I love this community. My twin daughters are now 28 years old. They had all their education K through 12 through HSE schools, well-educated. They're both college graduates. And I was very concerned about the reputation of HSC schools as a result of this. This was getting statewide attention uh, and the very possibility, and it did end up happening this way, that a, a precedent would be set for just about all local governments in Indiana, not just the school corporations. Uh, and the other thing that has come up since then, and that I'd like to, to just get your reaction to what I'm saying here, I have covered every school board election here locally in the last 11 years as a just a volunteer blogger and I've done some podcasts with some of these candidates and I've got to know each of the seven members of the school board. Every one of those candidates sometime in the campaign, some of them with a major plank in their platform or some just coming up at various events all talked about transparency. And to me, this case was the most obvious sort of case of transparency I could think of. And I was very disappointed. So What's your reaction to what I just said here? Yeah, it, it really is about transparency. And, and again, it, 
it, it we said a little while ago that this has nothing to do with Rick Wimmer. Well, uh, obviously it does. There were uh, there was a situation that happened, and and that was the basis of why we started reporting on this. But um, there are lots of reports we do, investigative reports we do, even that when uh, you know a, a, an organization is upfront and transparent and explains this is what happened, this is what we learned from it, this is how we're going to move forward. Um, people make mistakes, and and you know in the media we understand that. I think taxpayers and our viewers understand that, and we move on. Well, again, the complete lack of transparency that could have been um, avoided by simply giving a yes or no answer for whatever reason to this day, I'm still scratching my head trying to figure out why would HSE decide to drag this particular situation out for so long at the expense of taxpayers um, when they so easily could have resolved it. And the only thing, again, that, that I come back to is I think um, that they were convinced uh, by a, a, a Noblesville law firm and their attorneys that there was a, a higher noble cause that they were fighting for here when at the end of the day, this really comes down to transparency, like you said. And the choice not to be transparent is is kind of mind-boggling and a little side note here for your viewers larry that this part of the story hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention but a couple years after the incident happened uh, in the classroom with rick wimmer the the student who was involved in that altercation with the the former coach his his mother sued the school district and when that happened, I reached out to Coach Wimmer to see if he wanted to make any comment. And I, again, and, and other than a very brief conversation where he said, you, you'll have to talk to the school district about this. He hadn't really answered any of my questions up to that point. He said, you're gonna have to go to the school district. When he and I texted back and forth that day, I again said, was the suspension as a result of that situation? Same question I've been asking for the better part of two years. And he confirmed, yes, it was. At that point, we went to the school district to say, this is what we're hearing from Coach Wimmer. Will you confirm this? And behind the scenes, the school district worked on trying to get us a statement. And at the end of the day, they decided not to. So again, transparency-wise, you have the coach saying that this is what led to it. We needed that confirmed from the school district and they wouldn't even confirm what their own employee was telling us. There has to be some bigger, larger reason here that they felt so strongly that they couldn't say that one word, yes. Um, and to this day though, I'm still not able to put my finger on what that is. And I think it, again, they just got really bad advice from the law firm who I think is the one entity that really benefited from this and thousands and thousands of dollars that they got paid because this case ended up dragging out for five years. And I will say, you know, I, obviously nobody was speaking publicly. As you said, you tried to get a statement from the school district and, and did not get one. What I was hearing just from the scuttlebutt around town is that uh, they, uh, the school board felt that they were defending the privacy of their own staff. And you can argue either way on that. But uh, I want to go to the next step, which is, 
the courts. Uh, you went to the Hamilton County Court, and the Hamilton County uh, judge sided with the school corporation. You went to the State Court of Appeals. State Court of Appeals sided with the HSC schools. And then the state Supreme Court decided to take the case. I'm just curious. It doesn't happen very often, by the way. No, that they, they choose the, the cases they want. You're right. They felt this was yeah. important enough to take, and they didn't have to take it. Uh, I'm just curious. When you were watching those oral arguments, uh, what was your reaction? I, I, I was sitting in the gallery. It was one of the first few weeks that they had opened the Supreme Court back up to be able to have uh, folks actually attend and 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 sit in the gallery, and um, I I was pinching myself because um, obviously Adam Marshall with Reporters Committee for Freedom of the Press, who who represented us and made the oral arguments, he he did a fantastic job. Um, but I, I figured this could be a, a challenge because keep in mind this is the the same Supreme Court with the same justices who not long ago had a chance to weigh in on another very um, public public access and public records case uh, with the ESPN versus Notre Dame case. Um, and in that case, they basically sided against transparency. They sided with Notre Dame and against ESPN in a fascinating case that actually I thought would go the other way. So this is a, a Supreme Court that had not too long ago um, issued an opinion which really uh, was detrimental to the access of public records in the state of Indiana. And so to hear the questions that they were asking, to hear the indignation in the voice of the justices as they were questioning um, the, the attorney for HSE, it was clear that they absolutely were not buying uh, the school district's position on this. The idea that you can simply, uh, you know, when an employee, a public employee is suspended or demoted or fired, say, well, the reason that we did that, the factual basis for that was that they violated a rule. Um, well, of course they violated a rule. We all understand that. We all know that. And uh, the justices seemed uh, a little flabbergasted by some of the answers that they were getting from uh, from HSE. So um, you know, Liberty Roberts, I, I thought she actually did a pretty decent job in trying to present the case on the school district's behalf. The problem is, is that, um, that you know, the, the argument from my perspective doesn't hold much weight. And I am grateful that the state Supreme Court recognized that as well and really decisively reversed the, the opinion from, from the trial court and from the Court of Appeals. And WTHR and yourself and, and, and you know, the, the reporters committee, everyone should be commended for working on that. And, and that was not an easy case. As I said, you lost the first two rounds and, and won in the Supreme Court unanimously. But it seemed to me in reading that decision, this has far reaching impacts on local governments throughout Indiana. Did you get the same impression? Yeah, I do. Um, and and right after uh, the Supreme Court released its opinion here a few weeks ago, um, it, it was really nice to, to hear, you know, from journalists all over the state, um, you know, from Indianapolis Star, from, you know, journalists in, in you know, Northeast and Northwest Indiana, um, who 
felt a lot of relief um, when they read the the opinion in this case because it really does it's it's a battle we've been fighting in the media for a long time and I've done other stories involving other school districts whether uh, whether it be in in Carmel or um, with with Warren Township um, we we have situations where there are teachers who uh, are suspended or reassigned or demoted, and we never truly find out the, the reasons why. Um, there are public employees and officers and um, in other agencies and, and across all forms of government and local government and state government across the state um, that, you know, they're, they're facing discipline, and we don't really find out why because in the past, again, state agencies and school districts have been able to really kind of sweep it under the rug to give a really vague factual basis, um, which really doesn't provide any facts. And, you know, we go to the public access council and there's only so much the public access council can do. So now we have precedent. Um, the Supreme court has reiterated that a factual basis has to actually include facts. Imagine that, um, to, to really give the public an understanding of what actually took place that resulted in disciplinary action against a public employee. So that said, there's thousands of public employees all across the state and uh, they, they serve an incredibly valuable role. And um, yeah, their, their privacy is important. At the same time, if, you know, as taxpayers, when we pay salaries for public employees, if there's wrongdoing that takes place there, to simply give a factual basis, not to go into all the nitty gritty and every detail of what happened, but to get some facts about what actually did happen, to give the public a sense of what happened. That's what the court said needs to happen. That's what's actually in the state open records law. And uh, we're, we're glad that the Supreme Court actually upheld the intent of the legislature, which is to give some facts when situations like this actually happen. Yes, and that's a very important point you just made. The, the court didn't say you lay out all the facts and dump them out. Uh, you know, just the factual basis doesn't mean innocent parties' names would be in there or students' names would be in there. Like it could be uh, – you don't have to include everything, but that factual basis for the action, I think, is is the important thing. And here's the other part of this I would like you to comment on because, uh, as I understand it, uh, you don't have your factual basis yet. This has been remanded Back right. to the Hamilton County Court. Do you have a court date there yet? No, no. We're waiting to find out. Um, you know what what move the school district is going. You know to to take next. We are are hopeful that the school district um, will again uh, you know provide what we asked for more than five years ago. At the same time, we're currently engaged in more open records disputes with Hamilton Southeastern schools. And um, I, I just, I, I hope at some point, like the um, like the public access counselor said, uh, I hope at some point they get it. Um, I have a lot of respect, you know, for the school district and for the administrators um, of the school district. Um, you know, we're, we always just look to work in good faith with any school district that we're reporting on and 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 you know trying to to determine facts about um, in working in good faith and you know providing the information that we can provide and we understand that school districts can't dig deep into an employee's personnel file and give all kinds of information about that um, you know we 
all of us, you know, value our privacy, but there is a, a minimum standard set under the State Open Records Act uh, for, for minimal amount of information that needs to be provided. And we do expect at least that minimum amount, amount uh, you know, to be forthcoming when these situations occur. And Bob, you can comment if you wish to, but I want to just say that WTHR went through an ownership change. Now, I worked in radio many years ago. Ownership changes always brought big changes. You never knew what what was going to happen. But the new ownership of WTHR uh, lets you see this through. I think that's uh, that's a great comment about your new ownership. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The Tegna Corporation, uh, we're we're, blessed to be owned by Tegna right now, and there's a a very – a long history of supporting strong local uh, journalism and and fighting for public records and really believing in investigative journalism. So um, when I saw uh, and all this did happen over the course of that over uh, that ownership change, but when I saw uh, who the new owners of WTHR were going to be here a couple of years ago, um, it. I didn't really have any doubts that they would support us in, in moving forward with this, and, and they were very supportive all along the way. My last question for you, Bob, um, without giving away any secrets, uh, anything WTHR viewers should be looking forward to in terms of uh, investigative reports coming out of your shop in the near future? Well, um, we do. I, I'm, I'm currently working on four different projects. Um, one of them um, is not all that unrelated to what you and I are talking about right now. So we may uh, have some, some new developments to report, hopefully here in the not too distant future. But, um, you know, as, as you can imagine, Larry, we usually keep those things fairly close to the vest until we're ready but um, we've got a fascinating one um, that involves healthcare. We've got one that involves uh, going online uh, for, for consumers and what they uh, are actually getting online um, uh, is not necessarily what they might be expecting. Um, and you know, we're always uh, working on our verify reports, which has been a really exciting and wildly popular uh, franchise that uh, since Tegna took us over, we've been doing fact check reports uh, on, our, on a regular basis. And we invite your listeners and our viewers, uh, they're bombarding us with with questions about things that they're seeing on social media and hearing at the water cooler, is this true or not true? And uh, it's been a great experience for us to be able to get in hundreds of questions every week and we get to as many as we can and and some of those get on air in our verify reports so that's uh that's been keeping us busy with our investigative unit as well i know an investigative reporter's work is never done so uh thank you for giving us a bit of a preview there and bob thank you so much for taking time to talk with me today very much appreciate that well and and really appreciate the interest that you've had in this case from the very beginning again this wasn't about a coach this this was really about transparency and making sure that the public is getting information that they're entitled to. And I appreciate you helping, uh, you know, to, to keep your readers and, and listeners in, involved and uh, informed on that situation as well. Bob Siegel, thank you once again. A pleasure talking to you today. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for listening to the LarryInFishers.com podcast. If you like the podcast, please let others know. You can find it on most platforms where you go for podcasts. Just search using this phrase. 
Podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. Also, if you listen on a platform such as iTunes, please take a moment, rate and comment on my podcast series. So thanks for listening, and please be safe and be kind. Music